Welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. Point number one is God sent a man. <laughs> See, I think that that's funny because it's a little anticlimactic. We just came through the holiday season where Jesus comes to earth and the angels sing and there's a star in the sky and it's this wonderful demonstration of Jesus coming to earth. God sends his messenger, and it's just God sends a man. Here we are, verse 6. I told you, I'm teeing it up for next week. You got to get your brain around verses 6 through 9. Otherwise, 10 through 18 don't mean as much, okay? We got to get our brains around verses 6 through 9 this morning. Verse 6, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe. Do you see there's a theme here? Good. Me and one other person. So that everyone might believe because of his testimony. That's important too, okay? So we're going to try to get it all in this this morning. Up until verse 6, we only have two characters in this prologue. We have the Word, Logos, and we have God, Theos. Two characters that, we're, we're, that John has introduced, and then John is even blurring the lines between those two uh, individuals, and, and he starts treating them as one, because he says that the Word was with God, and then he says, oh, and the Word was God. So they kind of, he blends them together, blurs the lines of their definition. And now the author has introduced a third character. God sent a man, John the Baptist. Now, who is John the Baptist? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. Back in the Old Testament, 400 plus years previous to John writing this, there was a prophet named Malachi, and he said that God would send a messenger who would prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And he was talking about John the Baptist. This messenger would be John the Baptist. A messenger is coming. He'll, he'll come and prepare the way of the Lord. So when we fast forward to Matthew's gospel, Matthew tells of another prophet named Isaiah who would have prophesied way earlier about John the Baptist. Isaiah said in chapter 40, verse 3, he said, listen. I like it whenever Scripture has an exclamation point. I didn't put this on the screen, so y'all don't know it. You just have to trust me unless you're looking in your Bibles, Isaiah 40, uh, verse 3. He says, listen, exclamation point. It's the voice of someone shouting. Hear someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys and level the mountains and the hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken! Exclamation point. Oh, so good. Yeah. He's talking about whenever he says, listen, there's a voice of someone shouting 
He's talking about John the Baptist. He's hearing the voice of John the Baptist. He's prophesying this hundreds of years previous. Now, Mark, the other gospel writer, he describes John the Baptist. In, the, in Mark chapter 1, sorry, I'm skipping around some, so much. We're going to come back to, to John 1 here in just a second. In Mark chapter 1, verse 4, he says, This messenger that Isaiah was talking about, that Malachi was talking about, this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness. Are you you got to picture this. Get your brain going, your, your imagination. Get it firing on all cylinders here. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sin and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, verse 6, his clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, Mm -hmm. and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate enchiladas and taquitas. Actually, that's not what it says. It says, for food, he ate, I was just editing here because this is gross, He ate locusts and wild honey. Are y'all picturing this? Sunday morning you go out to church because it's not in a building, it's out in the wilderness. You say, hey, Pastor John, how are you? And he grabs your hands, he he grabs your hands, shakes it real big, he's got coffee in one hand, and he grins. And he has a locust leg in his tooth. Like, Pastor, really? Get a toothbrush, man. That's gross. John announced, verse 7, he says, John, y'all are going to be distracted the rest of the morning now. I see you. Some of you are going like this. I have apple peel in my teeth. John announced, someone is coming who is greater than I am. Can you absorb that for just a second? This guy out in the wilderness, camel hair, this is as manly of a man as they come. He's eating locusts and finding wild honey, stealing it away from the bears. This is a grizzly man. And he says, his message is, someone is coming who is greater than I am. So much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize with water. Symbolism. He says, what I, my baptism is symbolic. I baptize with water. But, it's a word of contrast, but as opposed to water, the one who is coming who's greater than I am, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Thomas, we have to sing that song again. Yeah. John's like, hey, I just bring the water. The one who's coming after me, he's bringing the Holy Spirit, and he's going to reside in people's lives and hearts. John the Baptist had an important message pointing to the coming of the Messiah, and he understood exactly his position. He was, he was just the messenger. He wasn't the message. He was just setting it up. He was getting it ready for the big hit. God sent 
a man, John the Baptist, a really plain man. He preached in the desert. Later on in John chapter 10, verse 41, we're going to read that John never even performed any miraculous signs, no wonders. You know, whenever we read the gospel stories with the apostles and with the followers of Christ, you have all of these miraculous signs that go along with Jesus and his followers with the apostles. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he comes and he preaches his heart out way out in the desert. He doesn't even get a good platform. He's just out in the desert preaching his heart out. No miracles, no stage lights, no nice suit. (laughs) Poor guy, right? Nothing fantastic. He dressed rugged. He ate bugs and honey, and he he preached it. You had to go out in the wilderness to find him. This is the man that God sent to be his messenger, the creator of everything. And John the Baptist is how God chose to tell the world about the coming light. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? God, so fantastic and glorious. And then he just sends a man, just a regular hairy man. (laughs) Back to John chapter 1. God sent a man, John the Baptist, verse 7, to tell about the light... John the Baptist was sent to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. The purpose of God sending John the Baptist was to testify or to tell the world about the light that is going to come so that they might believe, so that everyone might believe. God has no desire, listen carefully, this is important, God has no desire for mankind to fumble around in darkness. Sometimes people say, well, why do all these bad things happen? Because we choose to hold on to the darkness. That's why. God doesn't want us to fumble around in the darkness. He has sent a messenger to tell us that the light is coming and then getting ahead of ourselves. We know the light's going to come later on. God doesn't want us to to be fumbling around in the darkness. God wants humanity to live victoriously, to have life abundantly, to live in the light, not in the dark. That's what God wants. But humanity, mankind, must recognize the light. Mankind must believe in the light that comes from only God, the creator of all life. Does that make sense? At some point, created humanity has to look back at our creator and say, I think you know what I need to be doing, and I'm ready to listen. Right? For those of us that have teenagers, we made it through the adolescent years, you know, where the adolescents are like, Dad knows nothing. At teenagehood, you start to see this little flicker in their eyes where they go, I think Dad knows something. He just learned something last week. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, he's being smart. He's been a dummy for the last 12 years. Yeah, at about 15, 16 years old, they're like, no. And then they deny it until they're 25. (laughs) 
There's a, there is a parallel between us growing up from children to adults and a parallel between us coming to our faith in Christ Jesus or in God. At some point we realize, I've been banging my head on all the walls in the darkness. And if I just turn to my creator, if I turn to Father God, he will turn the light on. Life is wonderful, right? That's not in my notes, and you don't have to say amen if you don't want to. Don't feel obligated. All right, John takes us from, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God created all things through Him. The Word gave life to all that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Very exciting. And then God sent a humble little man to tell everyone about the light so that we might believe. That was the purpose. God sent John the Baptist so that we might believe. John would come and tell us, the light is coming. Believe. Why is he like a voice shouting in the wilderness? Because he has the right message. He knows the right direction, and he's yelling at people. Why do preachers yell at people? Why do you yell at your kids? Exact same principle. <laughs> my, my son told me one time. Well, he told me several times. He says, Dad, just because you say it louder doesn't make it more clear to me. <laughs> you put the square peg in the square hole. Why is that so difficult? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I had to get away from that illustration really fast. John is out in this wilderness and he's shouting, the light is coming, prepare the way, prepare your hearts. And they're like, ah, oh, he just stinks. I don't know what he's talking about. Weird. He goes out there and he screams his voice out. He declares the message of the coming of, of light into our lives until he's hoarse. But he does it so that we might believe not because he's angry. It's not because he's mad. He's not because he's upset at humanity. It's because he knows the truth and he wants you to believe as well. God could have sent a message to mankind in numerous ways that would have been more dazzling, maybe even more convincing. Instead, God chose a bug-eating desert dweller to tell humanity about the light. Very humble. John the Baptist was not sent to impress humanity. No one went out into the desert to say, hey, let's go see this guy's cool camel hair jacket. No, they went out because they're, this guy is passionate about his message. He's out there preaching day and night. He's not concerned about brushing his teeth or combing his beard. Uh, he would have been a hairy guy. Right, guys? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes, that's what the scripture, yeah, that John the Baptist definitely had a big beard. We know that. I saw the pictures. <laughs> we go out and we listen to him declare this message because he's passionate about, about it. John the Baptist was not here to impress humanity with miraculous uh, signs and, and miracles. John came simply to proclaim the truth about the light that overcomes the darkness. That was his purpose. God sent a messenger, a man. 
Not an angel, not some celestial being, just a simple man to tell us about the light so that we would listen, we would believe, and have eternal life. God intended it to be that simple, right? I'm not going to get ahead of myself and tell you the rest of the story. Point number two in your bulletins, if you have your bulletins, I know you have a blank there that's driving some of you crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. John was not the light. Bum, bum, bum. Verse 8. John was not the light. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. Got that in your brain so far? Nothing fantastic about John the Baptist. He was prophesied that he would come. And he would have this specific message about preparing the way for the coming of of God. But he himself, no miracles, awesome beard, ate bugs. Beyond that, not spectacular at all. Verse 9, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So you have John the Baptist was, a, was simply a messenger who was of, of the one who was to come. He's the messenger saying, this is what's about to happen. John sent John the Baptist. Let's back up there. God sent John the Baptist before he sent the light that we've talked about because God wanted people to be looking forward to the coming of the light, to have some sense of anticipation, of expectancy of what God is going to do next. Do y'all like anticipation? You know how to keep someone in suspense? I'll tell you tomorrow. Just like that. Yeah, so God sends John the Baptist to say, the light is coming. The answer, the truth is about to come to earth. And he's going to stand in your face and he's going to declare that he's the truth. Get ready for it. He wants them to be anticipating what God is going to do. Now, uh, I know you guys love stories whenever, whenever I tell stories about food because, you know, I love food, love to eat. So sometimes whenever I go into a restaurant, especially a new restaurant, you ever go into a new restaurant, you don't really know what to order. Uh, and so I like to ask the, the wait person, what do you like here? What do you recommend? Um, hopefully they've eaten there before. If they've not eaten there before, you probably need to get out fast. <clears throat> uh, most of the time, most of the time, this is true. I, I do this often. It probably drives my family crazy because, you know, every, there's protocol in a restaurant, right? They come. What do you want to drink? You don't banter back and forth. You don't ask them how they're doing. You just say, Dr. Pepper. And they get you a Dr. Pepper. What do you want to eat? And, you know, whatever. Read the menu yourself. Don't ask questions. I am asking questions because I, I'm spending my hard-earned money for food. I want to get the very best, right? So I ask them, do you, what, what do you like? What do you really enjoy here? Most of the time, they offer two or three options that they've tasted or that they kind of like. And they're not committed to one. They're like, oh, you know, green chili cheeseburger is good. I'm like, well, duh. <laughs> Lasagna is good. Okay, whatever. And I, so, so whenever they give me two or three options, I'm like, whatever, you don't know what's good. Um, ask a larger person. They know what's good. 
I'm including myself in that group of people. Every once in a while, a wait person will, I'll ask them, what do you eat here? What do you like? And they light up. And they're, then they describe to me, oh, you have to get, right? That's how they preface it. They don't say, my favorite is this. They say, oh, you have to get. And then they tell you whatever it is, and they're all excited about it. And they have conviction, and they have excitement. And you know what? I'm going to order that. Mm-hmm. And then, when they walk away, I'm going to wait with great anticipation for my food. I've never eaten this dish before. I have no idea what I ordered, but I can't wait for it. I know. Most of you cannot relate because you go and order the same thing every time. Oh, boring. Try something new. Before the waiter gets my order into his little computer system, I already believe. In the most biblical way, I believe that I am about to eat the best meal that has ever crossed my lips. It's a spiritual experience. The weight person is not the entree. They're not just the messenger. They're there just to set up the desire for the entree. You see how that works? That's kind of cool, huh? At really nice restaurants, they say, our specials for this evening are, and you immediately are like, oh, I want all three specials. (laughs) Yeah, you came in wanting a cheeseburger and you left with something wonderful and glorious, right? That is what John the Baptist was sent to do. John comes to tell humanity that the best thing, that the best thing that could ever happen to them is about to show up. You need to pay attention. Now, I kind of enjoy what John, the, the way that John has written this, the way that the book, the Gospel of John is laid out, this, epilo- this, this uh, prologue. We still don't know, if you're reading the Gospel of John for the first time, you still don't know exactly what it is you're anticipating. We've talked about this word that we don't know what it is exactly. Was with God and it was God. Created all things. Not sure yet. We haven't had it explained. We know that John the Baptist has come and he's preparing the way for the word to come, but we still don't know what is going on. So then we get to verse 9. He says, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone. So the one who is the true light, he's referring back to the word previous in previous text. The one who is the true light, everyone say true light. On a political note... Now I have your attention. In politics, we have, oh, I know what there's the right thing for us to do, and I know what the right thing is for us to do, and somebody else knows what the right thing is to do, and we argue over whatever it is. In Scripture, we have the declaration of one true light. You can take that to the bank. It's always true. There is one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, verse 9 tells us. 
but we still don't really have an idea of the details about this light that's coming to everyone. We are still in the dark, so to speak. That's kind of funny. Remember, we are only in the prologue of the Gospel of John. We're at the entrance, the foreword. We haven't even gotten to the good part yet. We're at the part that most of us skip whenever you read a book. Am I the only one that does that? You know, you have all these pages before chapter one. Dude, I, chapter one. I don't need to read the prologue. In fact, well, anyway, I read chapter one, chapter two, part of chapter three, and I'm like, I got it. (laughs) It's a bad habit. Don't do that. (laughs) Because then later people are, did you read that book? I said, oh, yeah. Did you read chapter 10? My favorite part was chapter seven. I'm like, my favorite part was in chapter one. <laughs> yeah, we're only in the prologue, so don't get all... Now, for, for those of us who have been church, we're like, Brent, get to the good part. Well, we're not to, to the good part yet. For those who are new to this whole story, you're going, come on, we got to get to the answer, get to the light. We're not there in the text yet. We're going to get there. John is only giving us some background information to this story. He's going to add in the details later. He's going to fill it all in, and he's going to make it all beautiful and happy and wonderful. But for now, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell us that the light is coming. So for today, at this point, the God of the universe, who stands outside of time and creates all, he sent a man to be God's messenger, to declare the coming of the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone. Can you absorb that for just a second? God sent John the Baptist to be God's messenger, to declare the coming of the one who is the true light and who gives light to everyone. So now the question for today is, will you believe? God sent John so that we might believe But Brent, I don't have enough details yet. I'm not sure that I believe this yet. Will you put your trust in this God that John has described? Well, I need more information. The reason he uses logos or the word at the very beginning is to pull us in. Wait, God, the creator of all? I need to pay attention to this. Now, for some of us, we're like, hey, the creator, the giver of all life, I'm in. Whatever his message is, I'm here. For the rest of us, for some of the rest of us, we are, okay, we have the outline, I need to know more. And that's perfectly fine because we're in the prologue. John's going to tell us more. He's going to fill in all of the details. Will you trust your life to this God who is the giver of all life? Because it stands to reason that if he has all life, you can trust him with your life. Thomas is going to come and he's going to uh, sing again. Um, while he sings, I want to give you an offer- opportunity to be prayed with. Uh, last week, we didn't have an opportunity for people to come to the front. Some of you are looking at me like, are you done? Yes. <laughs> that was the ending, in case you were wondering. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Um, so we're going we're gonna to sing together. Before we sing, uh, if, I, if I went to the rest of the text today, I would mess up the anticipation of what God is going to do in the next part of the text. Don't read ahead. I see some of you cheating. 
You'll have to come next Sunday to see what happens in the story. And I'm going to tell you that there is a plot twist. Not, it's not going to turn out the way you think it's going to happen, but it's going to be good whenever it does. And in the end, it's going to be all perfect. It's going to be excellent. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. I want to pray with you. Thomas is going to lead us uh, in a song. If you would like to be prayed with, there's going to be people at the front to pray with you. And then at the end of the song, uh, Thomas will pray and dismiss all of you. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for you just being a great and a mighty and awesome God in our lives. This morning, we read this text. You declare yourself as, as God outside of time. You declare yourself as the creator of all, including us. You declare that you have given us life. You declare that in that life is light. Father, we believe in you. With all that we are, we believe that you alone are the giver of life, that you alone are God, and that we trust. We trust your life brings light into our lives so that we can live in a way that reflects your glory and reflects your character. Father, we put all of our confidence in you, that you, the creator of heavens and earth, the giver of all life, would come to our hearts to transform us. Father, we rejoice in the work of Jesus Christ in our hearts and our lives. We rejoice in your plan for our redemption. We rejoice in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can be here this morning. Be exalted in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone say amen. If you'd like to be prayed with, please come to the front. Thank you for listening. We would like to invite you to come be a part of Desert Heights Church. Service is every Sunday morning at 1030. You'll find us at 1835 East Main, next to Arby's, here in Farmington, and on the internet at desertheightschurch.com.